Okay, my two big takeaways from the Republican debate is number one, the winner, the big winner of the night was Trump, hands down. Takeaway number two, Fox News has become a total embarrassment. Welcome to our recap of the Republican debate minus Trump, a.k.a. the runner-up debate. On the Yaakov M. Show, we are on Yeshiva International, VIN News, Nucky Radio, and other platforms. Send us an email, josh at vinnews.com. So here are my takeaways, okay? The big winner was easily President Trump. And look, Vivek, we will get to Vivek. I understand he performed strongly. Every other candidate, to me, huge disappointment. The sound bites don't tell the story, okay? I heard a bunch of sound bites before I got a chance to watch the debate. And then the, the entire, if anybody, those 12.8 million people who supposedly were watching this debate, they got a very different picture, a much more tedious picture and a much more honest picture than those clever sound bites where you had these clips where, you know, Chris Christie and Vivek are going at it. So here, takeaway number one, like I said, easily Trump made the right decision. Skipping this debate was the best move he ever could have made because you walk away. Everybody, Trump is a proven debater. Trump is a proven winner many times over. So everyone's looking at these other candidates. Nobody knocked it out of the park, including Vivek, although I think he was maybe the strongest. We'll get to that. But we'll get to a lot of the details as we roll on here. But uh, nobody's looking and saying, oh, wow, these these candidates, they're so much better than Trump. If Trump had been here, they would have wiped the floor. Everyone walks away like, okay, so Haley, Nikki Haley's talking about balancing the budget and sending money to Ukraine. Very nice. Whoopie-doo. I want Trump. You know, again, the people who don't like Trump don't like Trump. Nothing can change that. But everyone's saying, wow, if Trump had been at this debate, I mean, he would have crushed these other candidates. So great decision. Number two, these candidates, very interesting. They were trying so hard to be entertaining, to crack jokes, to be funny. They had these one-liners. That that always happened that the smart debaters would come prepared with one-liners, but they were different kind of one-liners. They used to be about policy. They used to all be oriented around politics and policy. Very tedious, boring. Trump has totally changed the landscape, totally changed the tone of these debates. It's because of Trump. Now these candidates, they want to be entertaining. They want to be funny. They want to be cute, okay? It used to be these, these debates. And I'm into politics, so I enjoy a, a great policy discussion, but they were much more technical. They were about the economy and about, the, you know, national security and the Pentagon and the military and whatever. And, you know, like, like they used to be about all the government programs and all of that. And Trump walks in in 2015 and he's like, people don't want to hear about policy. They want to be entertained. Yes, you got to throw in policy, but this is a sport and people want to have fun. He revolutionized Trump, revolutionized politics, and he revolutionized these debates. And now they're all trying to copy him and mimic him. So I thought that was a fascinating takeaway. I didn't hear anybody else make that point. Takeaway number three, Fox News is a disgrace. The topics that they chose for this debate could have been chosen by CNN, could have been chosen by MSNBC. The debate was filled with Democrat talking points. The, 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 first, the second question out of the box, I think. I have my notes here. I'll get to it. Climate change. Climate change. Your second question of a Republican debate is about climate change. And they're focused on January 6th and they're talking about covid they did not ask a question about the border crisis. They did not discuss Hunter Biden, the Hunter Biden laptop, the laptop, the Hunter Biden scandal. The fact that it was that that whole scandal was suppressed and censored by Twitter, by Facebook, which was their way of rigging the election. No questions about the weaponization of the DOJ. No questions about the Biden scandal. Hello, Biden classified documents. No questions about the, the Biden taking millions of dollars from Ukraine and China and, and all these whistleblowers. And, and none of that. Are you kidding? You have a Republican debate. You have eight Republicans, so-called Republicans on the debate stage. And you're not talking about all the Biden scandals. And you're busy with climate change and you're busy with January 6th and 
and slamming Trump, it is a it was a total disgrace, and it's just unreal. And uh, they, and you know what else I noticed? Nothing positive to say about Trump. Again, Vivek. They they tell me now his name is pronounced Vivek. It's V-I-V-E-K. I just can't bring myself to pronounce it Vivek. Maybe over time I will, but it's much easier to say Vivek, especially I'm trying to keep the flow going here. So it's like, it's not easy. It's not easy. I'm reading my notes here that are scribbled and you're tr- trying to make it sound as smooth as possible. And then you got to get Vivek into a sentence and try not to stammer in any way and try to keep things flowing in a, in a smooth sounding way. So we're going to go with Vivek for a while. Maybe eventually we get used to it. Other than Vivek, okay, nobody said anything positive about Trump, period. I mean, this is a Republican debate. You are the Republican Party. You're some, you, you are fighting now to become the leader, not just of the country, but of the Republican Party. Mike Pence, Trump, you are, literally you were Trump's VP. I understand he pressured you. You weren't happy about January 6th, pressured you to decertify the, the electors. Trump accomplished so much, not just for the country, but for the party over four years. Can you at least praise his successes? Can you at least take a moment? Vivek did. Vivek said, best president of the 21st century. By the way, Vivek, I have news for you. Not just the best president of the 21st century. He was the best president uh, of the last hundred years, okay? And, and yes, we'll throw Reagan in. We'll, we'll, you have to do that caveat, okay? With, with the possible exception of Ronald Reagan, Trump, best president the country's had in the last hundred years, certainly the best president from a Republican standpoint, and fine, Vivek praised him, wonderful. But like nobody else, all they had was negative. They, they literally in this debate, they literally said more negative things about Trump than they did about Biden. And that, and that tells you everything you need to know. It's egregious. And now, like I said, none of the candidates hit it out of the park. Mike Pence is boring. Mike Pence, I, I actually have always liked Mike Pence until he basically threw Trump under the bus. Um He's not an exciting candidate. Tim Scott, whom I really like, Senator Tim Scott, you know me. I've said so many positive things about Senator Tim Scott, and that doesn't change. I think his policies are great. I think his messaging is great. He's a moral, upstanding person. At least he seems that way. You don't hear about skeletons in the closet or about scandals. No no nasty tweets for those of you who have problems with that. He was a big disappointment. Tim Scott, big disappointment. Like I said, Nikki Haley, she was fine. She was Nikki Haley. Nobody's walking away from this debate and saying, oh, wow, Nikki Haley, she... She knocked it out of the park. You know, nobody's getting an adrenaline rush. Nikki Haley wants to send more billions to Ukraine, which she does. Nikki Haley said, let's balance the budget and let's lo- let's reduce inflation. Wow. You know, forget forget Trump. I-, I want I want Nikki Haley. Now, Ron DeSantis, again, not Ron DeSantis performed well. I don't want to say he was a disappointment. I, you know, it was I want to say he was underwhelming. He, there was nothing unique about DeSantis, nothing riveting, nothing memorable, nothing memorable that Ron DeSantis said. And one thing that he said, which unfortunately is memorable, where he said that Mike Pence did his duty on January 6th by certifying the election results. Why do you need to go there? I understand it's a constitutional debate. You know, I looked into it and it's certainly not a simple matter. If Mike Pence had decided to uh, not certify the electors, then it probably would have gone to court and probably a court would have decided. And you know what the courts would have decided because the courts kept shooting down any attempt Trump made to you know prove that the election was rigged. So whatever. I understand, you, you know, you, you can have a position on it. But like, do we really have to go there? Like I said, in the first Republican debate. And you know what Pence did? This is amazing. Pence is busy slamming Trump. He, he, he just he cannot resist talking about how Trump put the Constitution, put put him put his own uh, desires and ambitions ahead of the Constitution. I've heard Pence say that dozens of times. So he's slamming Trump, right? At the same time, Pence, the entire night, is taking credit 
for all of Trump's successes. This was our administration, our administration. We had the border under control, our administration. The economy was booming. You cannot have it both ways, Mr. VP, Mr. Pence. OK, let me just say this to Mike Pence. If Trump, if you take credit for all of Trump's good, then you've got to also take ownership over the things that you feel are problematic. You can't say, you know what, the good stuff that Trump did, well, I get credit for that. Oh, but by the way, January 6th was an insurrection. By the way, Trump committed treason. You just, you cannot have it both ways. Either, you, either you're with Trump or you're against him. No, no, the good stuff, that was all me. But the bad stuff, oh, that's Trump. Trump, put it, throw him in jail. Lock him up, throw away the key. <laughs> it's just like, it's, all, it's unbelievable. Yet Asa Hutchinson, and then we're, I'm going to recap some of these details here. I was busy, of course, scribbling away, listening to this debate, as you'd expect me to do. So Asa Hutchinson at one point, yeah, they asked the candidates. They said, this is like the one, you want to call it semi-quasi-positive moment about Trump, and that's laughable to call it that, is they said, would you, if Trump gets convicted, would you still support Trump if he ends up being the nominee, but he's convicted and sent to prison? And, and like Chris Christie is like, he's not sure if he should put his hand up, not not put his hand up. He said, no, I'm not putting my hand up. I'm, I'm swiping it away. I'm saying no. But he looked like he was kind of raising his hand. Most of the candidates raised their hands supporting Trump. They didn't know what to do because he gets convicted. One second, we just signed a pledge. We just signed a pledge that we're going to support the nominee. And now the rest of us, we support the nominee. And now we're going to say no. But Christie said no. And the follow up should be, well, but sir, Governor Christie, uh, didn't you sign a pledge? What happened to the, oh, no, I, I, the pledge doesn't include uh, you know, people who are convicted felons. Like, well, it doesn't say that in the pledge. And Asa Hutchinson is saying legally Trump is not allowed to run because he's guilty of the insurrection because he led an insurrection on January 6th. What? You have a Republican candidate on the debate stage saying that legally Trump is not even allowed to run? And nobody knows who Asa I know who Asa Hutchinson is, a former governor of Arkansas. Nobody knows who Asa uh, Hutchinson is. And he's been, <laughs> Trump has like, is, is like is like beating every candidate there, including Asa, by like 50 to 60 points, and Ace Hutchinson busy telling me how Trump's legally not even allowed to be president. All right, so let's get into some of the details over here. Number one, the the, the opening of this debate. And you're not, some of the stuff I think you're just not going to hear anywhere else. And, you know, I'm just, I'm looking at it, it's like, all right, let's just pick it apart. Let's just dissect this thing. So the debate opens, and it, it almost was like a news uh, segment. It was like they, had, they, they showed people being interviewed about the economy. I think the first question was about the economy and about Biden's disastrous economy, what they call Bidenomics and, you know, inflation being out of control and all of that. And they had like these clips. They interviewed people talking about inflation. And it it was like a Fox News segment. And the first couple of minutes, you don't even get to see the candidates. It's Brett Baer and Martha McCallum, the two uh, moderators. And they're doing basically like a news segment. And then they segued into an actual question about the economy. And as I always say, and I'll say it again to these moderators, let me say to the moderators, this is not about you. Ask the question and get out of the way. The moderators throughout the debate, they were trying to gain control, telling the candidates when their time was up. Let the candidates duke it out. Your job is you're like the wallpaper. Somebody has to be there asking the questions. I get that. There has to be somebody. A moderator is not a referee. I want to be very clear. That's not a good analogy. Moderator doesn't have to sit there telling us the rules, enforcing the rules. Ask the questions. You have to keep some sort of structure. And that's it. Get Just just get out of the way as much as humanly possible. So, they, like I said, the topics they chose were boring. Let's see here. So DeSantis uh, took the opportunity to jab Biden. He says, let's send Biden back to his basement. He actually mentioned Hunter Biden. When I say that, by the way, that Fox didn't bring up these topics, 
they came up incidentally. They came up peripherally topics about Hunter Biden and about, uh, you know, uh, a lot of the scandals and, and, and the border crisis. But it was the, when the, it was the candidates bringing them up. I'm talking about like Fox. And, and, you know, Fox had like a lightning round. They asked Chris Christie a UFO question. But they had a lightning round at the end where they asked these rapid fire questions. I don't even think that counts because those were very quick answers. But even those, they really didn't bring up a lot of the topics that you and I would have wanted to hear. Uh, DeSantis did bring up Hunter Biden's lousy paintings. He said hundreds of thousands of dollars that people spend on Hunter Biden's lousy paintings. Now, I, I, let me just say this. Is that really fair? I, I don't really find it fair for DeSantis to insult Hunter Biden's paintings that way and his artwork and his talent and say lousy paintings. Who is he to say? Maybe he just doesn't have good taste in art. I mean, art, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? Art is a, it's a very subjective thing. So maybe the people who buy Hunter Biden, yeah, it buys them access to the White House and they get appointed to these fancy boards and all of that. And, you know, these White House, these Washington, D.C. Uh, groups and whatever the committees that they want, commissions they want to be a part of. But like maybe they just like the artwork. OK, who's 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 DeSantis to say that they're lousy? Um Let's see. So, yeah, here and here's the thing. The, the, the second person who got asked a question, you have the two people in the middle because they got the most their poll numbers are the highest and they raise the most money are DeSantis and Vivek. DeSantis and Vivek are in the middle. Right. The second person that got asked, the second candidate to get asked any question of the entire night is Chris Christie. Chris Christie's number two, not Vivek. How, like, how do you possibly justify that? And then Tim Scott is number three. Like they literally waited till they got to three candidates before they go to Vivek. I understand Vivek is new with this. I understand that he's a rookie. I get it. You know, he's not been around politics as long as the other people. Some some of us consider that a positive. And I have issues with Vivek, as I'll get to, because Vivek, he wants to defund Israel. And I don't know what the deal is with that. And I hope that that's going to change because I like a lot of what Vivek says. But uh, his stance on Israel is not good, in my opinion, but uh, you go to Tim Scott, number three, and it's like these people, they're polling in like the Chris Christie, number two. So that was just inexcusable. Uh, here's what Tim Scott, Tim Scott pointed out. He said, listen, he said, government spending is out of control. He said, because of Joe Biden, the average family has lost $10,000, like $10,000. It's literally like you're earning $10,000 a year less than you were before Biden took office, which is 100 percent true. And what's amazing, and he said, turn off the spigot. We got to stop government spending. And he's right. But again, I don't think anybody cares when they talk about government. You know me. I'm the biggest proponent of cutting government spending. Stop borrowing. Stop spending. Stop raising the debt ceiling. Cut out all these government programs. Take back all the COVID relief money that was wasted. I'm in favor of all that. But I don't think your average voter really cares. You know, they they just want to hear about filling up their gas tank and, uh, you know, uh, impeaching Biden. I don't know. I, I find when people talk too much about the economy and spending and the debt ceiling, people kind of like shut down, their eyes glaze over. Maybe I'm wrong, but the candidates kept saying that over and over again. I'm not sure how effective it is. Now, interesting, they actually challenged Tim Scott and they said, you actually voted for $8 trillion of spending. You actually voted for $4.4 trillion and then $4.1 trillion, two packages for COVID relief. And uh, he actually, Tim Scott, you know, tried to defend it and talked about COVID or whatever his response was. But I like that, that they, and they actually challenged Pence as well, because all these people who were in government, when all the spending was happening, not just COVID, but COVID obviously made it worse, they've got to defend that. It's, in, it's indefensible. I understand there was a lockdown. I understand you needed a certain amount. The government had to step in with safety nets. But the trillions of dollars that were wasted in the name of COVID is inexcusable, indefensible, and they've got to answer to that, okay? They, they have to at least uh, discuss it and address it. Now, Vivek had this line, and it seems he actually stole the line from Obama. He said, who's this skinny guy on stage with a funny last name? And that's something that Obama said back when he ran, and he was new back in 2007, I guess it was. And uh, Chris Christie actually called him out. Chris Christie remembered that. It was actually a very funny moment where 
Chris Christie says, uh, you know, the last person who said that was Obama, and you're going to be a failure like Obama. And Vivek responded. He said, hey, Chris, can you give me a bear hug the way you gave Obama a bear hug? For those of you who remember that, after Hurricane Sandy, uh, people were really outraged because Chris Christie welcomed Obama literally with open arms, literally gave Obama a hug, welcoming, welcoming him to New Jersey. And people were very upset that Christie was literally embracing, literally embracing Obama, not just figuratively. And by the way, you know, Chris Christie all night long talking about law and order and we need to restore law and order and slamming Trump for January 6th and talking about how basically, you know, Chris Christie basically believes that Trump's the charges against Trump, the, the indictments against Trump. Some of them are justifiable. And I think Chris Christie believes that Trump deserves to be put in jail. I don't think he's made that a secret. Like, it amazes me that Chris Christie's the one talking about law and order because Chris Christie, you and your people, and his, and his advisors were convicted for this. He got away with it. They shut down the GW Bridge for three days with Bridgegate because he was annoyed at the mayor because the mayor of Fort Lee, like, didn't endorse him or something like that. It was like revenge. They, it, was like, it was like literally retribution where they shut down the GW Bridge. People died. People, ambulances could not get to the hospital. There was massive traffic delays, gridlock for three days. And Chris Christie, why he was never prosecuted you know, who knows? But uh, he probably uh, was friendly with the right people you know, as, as a former U.S. attorney. But like Trump has stood for law and order more than anybody. And Christie, of all people, should just not be making that comment. All right. Nick, uh, Nikki Haley, uh, she actually bashed Republicans. So this is, what, this is what I like about Nikki. Now, none of them, again, they all sound the same. Very important point. Here. They all other than Vivek, other than Vivek, as we'll get to, they all sound the same. Nikki Haley slammed Republicans. Again, she hasn't been in Congress. She hasn't been in Washington. She was a governor and then she was a U.N. ambassador. So she says Medicaid and food stamps, the spending is out of control. Again, is that messaging going to work? Is it going to work for me and you because we're into this? Is it going to work for the average voter sitting in Kentucky? I don't know. But you know, she did at least make the point. She's like, it's not the Democrats that are responsible for all this spending. Republicans have voted for it as well. She's 100 percent right about that. We talk about that all the time. They actually challenged Pence because they said, Pence, listen, sir, you want to take credit for a lot of the good stuff that happened when you and Trump were in office. Uh, you added you increased the debt by seven point eight trillion dollars. And he blamed COVID. And they said you increased the debt by three point five trillion dollars pre-COVID, pre-COVID. And look, again, this is something that I've criticized Trump for. So I'm glad that they challenged him on it. But of course, uh, you know, Pence essentially dodged that question. I mean, what is what is he going to say? Um Vivek had a uh, so let's get to Vivek. Okay, so Vivek Vivek had a few very strong moments. Again, he he says things. He's very blunt. He's very clear. He's he's a mini Trump. I've said this before. Now I have issues with Vivek. He he doesn't he's not like exactly charismatic. I don't know. Chris Christie had a line at one point. This soundbite got a lot of attention. Got got shared a lot of places where Chris Christie said that Vivek he sounds like Chat GPT. I guess he's saying that he you know he sounds very smooth, like a very smooth talker, which can be good, but can also be a little bit negative because it doesn't sound so natural. It's a little robotic. But either way, what, what Vivek is, is his messaging. He's the only one. I want to I just explain it this way. Vivek is the only candidate who you walk away and it's like, oh, he sounds different than all the rest. You're looking, and this is what I always say, the reason that Trump and Vivek, this is a very strategic move here because the reason Trump was so successful is because back when he ran, right, it was Jeb Bush and it was, what, Ted Cruz and I believe Nikki Haley and uh, Marco Rubio. And there were just a bunch of people who, for the most part, just sounded the same. You know, all right, let's cut taxes, cut spending, lower the debt, balance the budget, whatever, national security, close down the border. And like, then you have Trump build the wall and then you have Trump, you know, lock her up. Right. And Trump with all these like just very, very blunt to the point, straight talking uh, 
point that nobody else was saying. And it's like, who's the one person who sounds different than all the other? So that's what you need to do to stand out, because otherwise they just divide, the, right? The voter, one voter is going to say, well, all right, I like DeSantis, and the other one's going to say, well, I like Pence or Scott. And, and it's like, but why? I mean, they all sound pretty similar. So it's it almost like you're choosing out a hat. You're flipping a coin. Whereas with Trump or with Vivek, um, and I'm not saying Vivek is Trump. I'm, we're not anywhere close to that. But the reason Vivek has been able to surge in the polls more than any of these other candidates is because uh, he literally has a different messaging. He wants to abolish the Department of Education. He wants to abolish a bunch of government agencies. I think he wants to abolish the FBI, if I'm not mistaken. So Vivek had a soundbite at one point. He says, listen, this is not complicated. He says, frack, drill, um, embrace nuclear energy, burn coal, and stop paying people more money to stay home than to go to work. So that was a huge moment. I don't think it made the sound bites, but I went, I replayed it. Okay, again, he said it because they're talking about the economy. Right? He says, this is not complicated. Frack, drill, burn coal, embrace nuclear energy, and stop paying people more money to stay home than to go out and get a job. So people go out and get a job. Great points, all great points, very simple. Vivek also, by the way, he said climate change is a hoax. Okay, he, he basically said all these other candidates, because the other candidates, of course, they accepted the premise of climate change and a man-made climate change. Vivek's the only one who challenged it and says man-made climate change, the, the climate crisis is a hoax. And, of course, they were all outraged, hemming and hawing, and I, I think people, some of the people in the, in the hall probably fainted. But uh, that's what Vivek said. He's not afraid. He said, listen, all these people are bought and paid for. So, of course, they're going to tell you this, but I'm the only one who's going to tell you it like it is. So that was also very strong. DeSantis did say that he would that, that, that found Dr. Fauci should have been fired long ago. So I thought that was a very big deal. But again, climate change. Second to- topic, climate change, very disgraceful. The third topic was abortion. Now, look, I understand abortion is very important to a lot of Republican voters. But again, abortion, it's a third rail topic. Again, I understand that this is like a very ch- a struggle. This is a struggle for a lot of people, myself included, because on the one hand, we strongly, strongly believe we're so strongly pro-life. It's like scary. And of course, of course. Uh, abortion is an evil thing. It, abortion is terrible. I mean, the, the killing a fetus at, 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 at any stage, certainly late stage abortion, or certainly after a few weeks. I mean, it's just it's unthinkable. It is unthinkable. So it's uh, from a moral standpoint, it is such an important issue, but it's a losing issue because the, the, the women, you alienate so many women voters because they hear that you're pro-life. They get scared off. It should not be that way. But that's how it is. But they, anyway, they did address it. And I understand them addressing it. I get it. It's an important issue. And of course, obviously, with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, which, again, Trump does not get nearly enough credit for. So Haley said, I'm unapologetically pro-life. And there was basically a little bit of a debate where, uh, you know, DeSantis, they said, hey, you know, they asked DeSantis about it. he's obviously unapologetically pro-life as well, because he actually signed into law a six week abortion ban. And they basically asked him. If, you know, would he do that federally? If he was the president, would he sign into a, a, a federal ban on abortion after six weeks? And he basically said, he said, listen, I have to do what's right. And he, he talked about his own personal experience hearing his child's heartbeat in the womb. And that was his own daughter. But he dodged the question. When they asked him about a six-week ban, a national six-week ban, he dodged the question. Look, what's he, again, what's he supposed to do? What if I told you? You're a candidate. And you think if you win, you could do a lot of good stuff. But the only way to win is to avoid the topic. And you, and, and you will ban abortions, but you don't want to talk about it because then you're not going to get elected. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. It, I don't think it's a very simple question. I de- you know, I definitely to me. But anyway, Nikki Haley said find a consensus, figure out where everybody agrees, because most people would agree in the country. The vast majority of people agree late term abortion. I mean, they literally do abortion up until a moment before birth. There's even a law being discussed. That, you know, that there are there are doctors out there who the baby will be will actually be born and will be viable and they won't feed it. I mean, it's it's I know it's horrific. It's murder. But but they actually call that abortion. These insane these 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 immoral leftists. They're very, very 
sick, disturbed people. So, uh, you know, that, so she said, fine, a consensus. Pence was not happy with that. Pence says, listen, this is a moral issue. You cannot have a consensus. You can't, like, you know, compromise on this. But then Pence said, let's do a, a, a national 15-week ban. So I don't know why he's talking about a 15-week ban and not a six-week ban if he's not into consensus, if he's into doing the right thing. Like, where did he get that? Sounds very arbitrary to me, a 15-week ban. But, of course, the moderators did not call him out on that. You know, Doug Burgum, who, yes, I have news, breaking news, Doug Burgum, who is the governor of North Dakota, is a candidate in the Republican primary. He was in the debate. <laughs> Nobody's ever heard of the man. And uh, he said you cannot legally have a federal ban on abortion because there's the, the, the Constitution guarantees your freedoms. So you have the freedom of, of abortion. The, the, uh, aborting a fetus is a right and a freedom, and, and you're not allowed legally the Constitution doesn't allow a federal ban on abortion. It's a state. It's state jurisdiction. It's not federal. Now, what's he talking about? Freedom. What about freedom for the fetus? OK, well, why did why is only the mother have freedom? But the poor little fetus who's going to be aborted. Why? Why is there no freedom guaranteed to the by the Constitution to that fetus? Nobody challenged him on that. Of course, they talked about homelessness. Uh, somebody said it's because of covid. I don't know why they believe that the homeless crisis is coming because of covid. But uh, either way, they talked about basically homelessness and crime, the surge in homelessness and crime. Chris Christie slammed. By the way, DeSantis, big moment of the night, DeSantis uh, bashed George Soros. He said these Soros funded prosecutors are destroying the cities, destroying these cities with their uh, lack of law enforcement and their refusal to prosecute these criminals, these violent criminals. So good job, Ron DeSantis. And he said, listen, I'm the only one on this day. And he called out George Soros by name. Good for him. It's about time finally somebody does. Obviously, Trump does that as well. A lot of these candidates are afraid to. And DeSantis said, I don't know if there's anything about it. I fired two prosecutors. He said, I fired two um, DAs who were both funded by Soros, whose campaigns were funded by Soros, who were put into office because of George Soros funding, and they refused to uphold the law, the rule of law, and I fired them. And that he absolutely did, and he should get credit for that, so good for him. Uh, Chris Christie said that he would uh, appoint an attorney general. Again, Chris Christie, he's totally discredited himself so many times over. So, you know, I, I can't help it. I'm not a big fan. He had a decent night. You know, he, he Chris Christie, he is entertaining. He is, you know, he's he's an intelligent person. He knows how to make a point. I, I Look, I do agree with him on certain issues, obviously. Yeah, he, he, he was a successful prosecutor. But... Uh, like he's he just completely, completely has abandoned all of his conservative values. And he was never he was never that conservative to begin with. I mean, there's a reason he was like the governor of, of New Jersey. You know, nobody's going to mix up Chris Christie with, with, with Ronald Reagan. But uh, Chris Christie, he said he'd appoint an attorney general who would make sure that um, federal attorneys, the federal U.S. attorneys, the federal government would step in and clean up the cities. So that's interesting, basically using the federal government to override, which is something that definitely should be a discussion, definitely something that could help with people like Alvin Bragg and a lot of these woke DAs, the George Soros-funded DAs. He did mention Hunter Biden, Chris Christie, good for him. He said that he would, he again, underrated moment of the night, Chris Christie said that he would put Hunter Biden in jail for 10 years. He actually said that. He said that he, that if that if, if he were elected president, Hunter Biden, because he faked his application for the gun license with, you know, and, and lied about it with the with the cocaine addiction, he said that's punishable by up to 10 years. Throw Hunter Biden in jail for 10 years. I don't know why when Trump says lock her up, he gets so much flack. But when Chris Christie says lock him up, talking about Hunter, he does not. Vivek pointed out, Vivek pointed out that there's a, a mental health crisis. Interesting little um, little argument or uh, debate, mini debate happened where Vivek said there's a national identity crisis. He said because basically people are lacking purpose and meaning 
And he said, you know, he was basically slamming wokeness and saying people don't know their identity. They have mental health issues. They don't have any sense of purpose. They don't have any sense of of morality. Basically slamming the left for making our country totally immoral. And uh, Pence said back, he said, no, there's no identity crisis. He said, he said, Vivek, Vivek, you know, you're just you're just looking at the leadership, but the American people, they don't have a moral identity crisis. That that's not happening on uh, to, you know to 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 citizens. That's just happening with leadership. But the average citizens, they know their identity. They're stronger than morality. And and uh, and Vivek said back, he said, "I'm sorry, but there's no morning in America. You're acting like this is a morning in America moment. In other words, like things are bright and good and peachy, and it's not true." He said, "This is a dark time." I'm totally with Vivek on this. I'm against Pence. But Pence is wrong. The, the country, because of because of the ideology, because of the woke left, because of universities, because of the culture, because of the open borders, the, 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 because of all the crime, because of all the homelessness in the in the big cities, people are because of technology. People are suffering. There's a conversation for a different day. But Vivek is 100 percent right. There is a mental health crisis because people are depressed. They're anxious because they have no idea. They have lost all sense of right and wrong, all sense of morality. Um, all sense of values. And look, can that all be controlled by the government? Probably not. The media is very involved, but it is certainly a very, very big issue. Um, okay. they uh, Like I said, they asked if, if, if Mike Pence did the right thing. They asked for a show of hands, but somehow the candidates avoided a show of hands if Mike Pence did the right thing by certifying the electors on January 6th. But um, like I said, DeSantis said, quote, Mike did his duty. I got no beef with him. So... Look, that's Ron DeSantis's position. Like I said, Asa Hutchinson said that Trump is disqualified to run. He got a lot of booze for that, by the way, but he did say it. Um, Chris Christie said that Pence stood up for the Constitution. Of course, Christie's very, very uh, supportive of Mike Pence's decision to certify the. And look, at the end of the day, even if Pence had delayed it, the most Trump could have gotten from Pence, I believe, is to delay the electors, and it would have gone to court, and eventually the it would have been certified. I, I don't think that there was any legal constitutional way at that point, because really, once the states certify the electors, the, the you know the federal government is really just there to count. I mean, that's just you know my understanding from the they changed the law. Democrats changed the law to make it clearer. But uh, I do believe they could have held it up for a few weeks and made it a big court court battle. But I don't think that at the end of the day. Um, if Mike Pence had done what Trump wanted to do, Trump would be president right now. Somebody pointed out, you know, Al Gore theoretically could he he, he didn't agree with the Supreme Court decision in 2000. He could have theoretically certified himself as president in uh, in, two, in in the year you know January of 2001. Uh, Vivek committed to pardon President Trump, and Mike Pence refused. Mike Pence said he 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 took issue with that. He said, "Listen, I've pardoned people. I used to be the governor of Indiana. I pardoned people." He said. You need to see contrition. He said, you know, he basically Pence. And again, another to me, very offensive, disturbing thing that Pence said, because he just he can't he it's almost like he's salivating to slam Trump. It's almost like Pence, like he's sitting there. By the way, politically speaking, when you're polling at like two percent, three percent, you're the former VP. That's embarrassing. And then you see where Trump is polling. And then like you go out of your way, you bend over backward to say all these negative things about him. I understand you feel that way. Does that mean that you have to express every single thought that goes through your head when it's it, when it's so self-destructive to his own campaign. But either way, Pence said that he said, I've pardoned people. He said, you need to see contrition. The insinuation was they should have asked him to clarify this. But the insinuation was, listen, Trump, he's not even showing any remorse. Why should we pardon a guy who doesn't show any remorse? But most of these candidates have not and, and are not going to pledge to pardon Trump. Vivek has no problem doing that. Then they talked about Ukraine and all these candidates uh, and again, we've spent $77 billion we sent to Ukraine. What do we have to show for it? Nothing. I love these people who are talking about, look at all the terrible things that Putin is doing, so we need to send money to Ukraine. 
Why? What is the money helping? Look at all these terrible things Putin is doing, despite the fact that we sent them $77 billion. Most of it, by the way, probably is in the pocket of, of Vladimir Zelensky and his, and his buddies over there and his, and his cohorts and, and, and the military leadership and a bunch of American defense contractors who are pocketing the money. This money is a joke. The, 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 the equipment, the military, the, the, the weaponry, it, it's not. And, and you tell me, well, no, but without it, uh, Putin would have taken over Ukraine already. Well, what is happening? It's this endless war going on. People are suffering. Like, what's the money accomplishing? The, the money's not accomplished. I'll give you. They say, listen, it's a proxy war. We can. I was. The, I was the one who was screaming that from the rooftops that this is our chance to take down Putin. If you want to take him down, if you want to go all out, and you want to literally either send troops or you want to just just fund send a ton of money, ton of weaponry. I'm not saying I support this, but if you want to go in there and say, listen, this is our chance. We are going to eradicate. We are going to crush Putin, crush his army, and then he'll basically be so weak that he'll be overthrown. Even though, of course, we know, of course, he took down that plane of, of, the, of the head of the Wagner group and all that. Topic for a different day. But like you want to take him down. But all you're doing is prolonging the agony. You, all The money is not helping. All these people who say, oh, no, Vivek doesn't understand because we're sending all this money to Ukraine because we need to, because you can't let Putin be so strong. You can't let Putin win in Ukraine. That would be a disaster. Then he's going to go into these NATO countries. Number one, I'm not convinced. I don't really see a, a major threat here, even if Putin wins in Ukraine. And, and I understand the Ukrainian people are suffering, and I'm not sure. Whatever. We can debate that a different day if that's, you know, uh, if, if that's our problem. There are people all over the world suffering. If we're going to every time, we're going to enter. You know how many countries right now ha- have these dictators who are, uh, you know, massive, massive, massive humanitarian crisis? I mean, look at. Saudi Arabia, look at China, uh, look at North Korea. Like, w- if you're going to say, listen, people are suffering, so we got to help Ukraine. Well, then I-, I have news for you. You're-, you're opening a floodgate. You can't close because you're going to send money everywhere and send troops everywhere. It's, not- it's just not feasible. I feel bad for these people. I'm not trying to be not compassionate. But unfortunately, that's just we, we-, we-, we- there are people in America who go to sleep hungry at night and people are struggling to pay the bills. And uh, you're sending billions to Ukraine. Somebody said, you know, I- Vivek pointed out. We're, sen- we're sending Hawaii $700 per family, uh, Biden is, is sending, for these families who, are, you know, suffered terribly because of the wildfires. And Ukraine is getting $77 billion, and now Biden wants to send them another $24 billion. So they, anyway, they were slamming Vivek. And, um, of course, Nikki Haley wants to send more money. Uh, you know, they asked Chris Christie about his—somebody asked Chris Christie about his trip to Ukraine. And he said, well, you know, people are suffering. And, of course, Chris Christie slammed Trump again and said, well, Trump called Putin a genius— which, I, again, we've been through this before. What's the problem? They, yeah, I love this, how they make it like Trump is somehow colluding with Russia and he's somehow in the pocket of Putin because he called Putin a genius. Why can't you call an intelligent person intelligent even if you disagree with them and even if they're an evil dictator? So, uh, again, fighting on Ukraine, I just, I just, I'm with Vivek on this. I don't believe in defunding Israel. I think that's absurd for so many reasons. The, the biggest reason is that all the funding of Israel literally keeps safety in the Middle East. And defunding Israel, all you're going to do is you're going to spend 10 times as much money to try to, you know, keep the peace in the Middle East without having Israel basically doing the dirty work for you, which is really what's happening. Um, all right. And, and, and Nikki Haley made the point. She says, oh, well, less than 3.5 percent of our entire defense budget was given to Ukraine. Really? Really? <laughs> like less than 3.5 percent. She's she's defending the funding to Ukraine. Well, we haven't given that much to Ukraine. We've given them less than three and a half percent of our total Total defense budget. First of all, we spend what, like eight hundred billion dollars on defense, but three and a half percent of the total defense budget. That's an enormous amount to, to send to one country where, like I said, ongoing war, no end in sight. Nobody's winning. It's just it's just a, it's just a total mess. That money, as far as I'm concerned, is being played. It's like throw it in the toilet, throw it in the ocean because that money's get, get. And you're telling me, well, what if we didn't send the money? What would be happening then? 
all right, we can have that conversation. But like to try to act like, oh, it's just three and a half, three and a half percent. I mean, like I told my close to a hundred billion dollars and people can't afford to fill up their gas tanks in America. All right. That's going to do it. We'll have to end it there. I uh, hope you enjoyed the recap. I certainly did. And look, I know we're going to be able to do this by every debate, but we got a lot more. The fun is just beginning. OK, primary season is now underway. It's official and it's going to be, as we've seen already, a lot of fun. That's going to do it for today, and we will see you next time.